Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's a good thing. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And, of course, you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us, too. We are on computer and your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. Now, the World Catfish Festival may have come and gone, but the art and the posters, they live on. And joining us today is the young artist who created the 2023 Catfish Festival poster, Miss Gracie Neeran. Hey, Gracie. Hey, Miss Rebecca. How are you? I am doing well. And I have to add that Rhino and I both said we've reached the age where Sir and Miss Rebecca no, don't make us feel so old anymore. So we appreciate <laughs> we appreciate your your kindness. No, I love your art. I love this idea that you got to represent the 2023 Catfish uh, Festival. How did this all come about? How did you find yourself in you know the creative drawing board, thinking up what the poster would look like? Well, I was actually asked by Emily to do it, and I was very, very excited, um, especially just being a senior in high school. But my family's always been very deeply rooted in the catfish business. It goes back to my great-grandfather, so that was something that was really special to me. And I knew that I really wanted to include the catfish sculptures in the painting, which there's over, most of the locals know, there's over 40 in town in Belzona. There's, they were painted by local artists, and so I picked my favorite which was the Delta Blues cat, because I love anything to do with the Delta Blues. So I wanted that to be the focus of the design. And I also incorporated the heart of the Delta sign, which I thought would be perfect because Belzona is my hometown, and it, it really is where my heart lies. And they've, they've given me the world of support, and I have a little backstory on that. So I remember when I first started trying to sell my art, and I remember I didn't really know where to start out. And my mom was like, hey, well, let's see if Liz and Sherry will let you sell it at the commissary. And I was really nervous to ask, but I went in there with her, and I was really shy. And I was like, hey, you know, y'all have a lot of pretty artwork in here. I'm actually an artist, too. And so I was like, what do y'all think about letting me put my art in here? And it really took off from there. And they welcomed me with open arms, so they've really been great to to work with well kudos to you for having the courage to sort of put yourself out there and say hey you know like i enjoy art i think i would fit in uh with what you're selling here could i have a space and then you know i think that um a lot of people could gain a lot of inspiration from just having the courage to ask what's the worst thing they could have said right gracie was you know yes, or give you sort of another another route let's talk about your art because it's exceptional people can see it on the poster i know they can still have an opportunity to buy the poster or it as a t-shirt uh if they didn't make it to the festival, but you're only 18. So when did you start uh, with your love of art? 
Well, um, it's been ever since I was a little girl. So my mom's side of the family, they're very artistically inclined. And when I was younger, one way we bonded was we would always paint together, where, whether it was at my grandparents' house or we actually even have a, a room in our house that's always been dedicated to art. So like I said, ever since I was a little girl, I was always in there making something. And I remember even back in elementary school, I was super into like, I wasn't really into painting yet, but I was more into like craft projects. And whether it was something that a popsicle sticks or bracelets, paper mache or whatnot, I was constantly making something and then I would go and sell it at school. So all my teachers and my friends, they would joke, oh, well, there goes Gracie, our little natural entrepreneur. So little did I know I'd actually end up with the business down the road. So it's really just something that I think I've always loved to do. Well, you're definitely good at it. I was looking at your Facebook page, uh, Gracie Near and Art, and looking through some of the stuff that you sell. What would you say is sort of your staple, Gracie? What is your, like, this is the thing that sells the most or you sort of hone in on in terms of your painting or your particular art projects? Well, definitely my Mississippi Delta pillows are huge sellers. They, I feel like they encompass a lot of different elements from around the Delta. You've got the agriculture industry and then blues music. Um, and I also sell a lot of, uh, like I said, agriculture-related things like Delta Sunsets, uh, dirt roads, and cotton paintings, and a lot of hunting scenes have been popular lately. You know, I just like, thought, Gracie, we need to connect you with the Delta Dirt Shirt Lady. She's actually out of Vicksburg, but she dyes her shirts in dirt made out of the, uh, from the Mississippi clay, and she gets artists to come and help uh, sort of with the design on the back. Anywho, here we are, two crossroads of two good good things guests. I feel like need to we'll, we'll make that happen behind the scenes for sure. Uh, I feel like you'd okay, be a cool. great fit for her uh, and what she is doing. But I think also folks need to know that you're a great fit for whether it's gifts or sort of things that they're thinking about in terms of art for their home. I love supporting local artists, particularly one as young as you that's got you know their whole life ahead to think about their business or how they want to use it. And what great start to the poster. So let's go back to the, the poster for the Catfish Festival. Did you paint that? Did you draw it or color it? Like, where is the original poster? Or how did that work into them taking your art and making it into the poster size? Yes, ma'am. So first, I just started out with a sketch once I got my ideas together, and then it's, it's actually a watercolor painting. So I painted it, got it filled up for them, and then I sold the painting to the festival with the rights. And so they, they have the original painting, and I believe it will be on display at the Catfish Museum once that gets all set up. And they're also selling the Catfish T-shirts for this year and the posters that I designed, which are limited edition prints, at 49 Commissary in Belzona. And I think it's neat that there are folks out there. I'd love to find someone. You may know someone, Gracie, who has all now 46 posters of the World Catfish Festival. Um, I know that's something that started way back when, and people collect them, and each year it's sort of different. What's it feel like being amongst some of Mississippi's greatest artists and then also local <laughs> artists like yourself who now have you know their name in the poster sort of catalog? It feels really cool. I don't really know what else to say. It's just amazing to... To hear it, I never thought I'd be able to do something like this. With your family being rooted in Belzona, and obviously going back in terms of with catfish uh, industry, and then knowing what all happened to the neighboring towns, how important is it right now for just Mississippi to continue looking at the Delta, continuing wanting to help support uh, the recovery efforts from the tornadoes? Uh, I think it's really important because the Delta is really important to Mississippi, and 
Um, I think with the Catfish Festival, even though there was especially a lot going on with the weather and everything at that time, um, people were out volunteering and helping the community, and we were still able to have the festival, and it was just really great. It was. It was a great turnout. It was uh, still uh, showed people that people care about Mississippi, come out and sort of support, too. And, again, I want them to do that for you and your art. So where is your Facebook page the best place they can find you, Gracie? Or if they want to actually go and purchase something, is it local shops in town? How can we do that? Yes, ma'am. So Facebook is one of the best places to reach me at Gracie Marin Art. And I also have an Instagram, GracieMarin.Art. And then, of course, I sell my work at different stores around the Delta. Got, of course, 49 Commissary. And then I have three places in Greenville, actually. 915 Floral Designs and Gifts, and then Grounded Sister Coffee Shop. And right now, going on in downtown Greenville at EE Bass, there's an exhibit there that they're hosting, that Greenville Arts Council is hosting. And it's a completely Delta-themed exhibit. It's really nice. Pretty. And um, pretty soon, I'll have Double Decker at the end of this month in Oxford coming up. So that's going to be... Um, a lot of fun. It is going to be a lot of fun. All right, you mentioned yes, you're ma'am. a senior, so you've got graduation coming up not too long from now, Gracie. What's next yes, for ma'am. you? Are you going to art school? Are you going to fly in terms of being an independent artist? What's on the horizon for Gracie? Well, nothing set in stone yet, but my plan is to go to nursing school and just continue expanding my business and just see where it takes me. I think that's a great idea. You keep having the courage just to ask, and you never know what doors will be open for for you, Gracie. I hope folks come out and see you at all your upcoming festivals, the Double Decker. I know we'll be talking more about that as it comes up, and they get their poster and their T-shirt. And where can we go for the for keeping up with all things, Gracie? Where can we go to Facebook? That would be the place. All right. I appreciate yes. your time today, Gracie. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All righty. Pretty cool. Look at there. Just a little bit of behind the scenes of the poster of this year's World Catfish Festival. Again, the festival has come and gone. They went ahead and the, you know, the show must go on, even though with the weather woes that they were having. But it was a beautiful day for that particular festival. People showed up, showed their support for the Delta, for Belzona, for the catfish industry, and more, more importantly, for the people of the Delta. And that's one way we can still sort of support and just uh, keep keep the conversation going about the people there and the efforts that, that they are making. But then again, I put it out there. If you've got all 46 posters or a majority of them, I would love uh, to have a conversation uh, with you and figure out when you start, how many you got, and sort of think that if you were one who was collecting those posters over the last uh, 46 years. Where do you put them? I mean, if, you, if you're if you a poster collector, you start to run out of room. Yeah, at a certain point, they become wallpaper. But there's somebody, ah, that would be cool, that's got... Maybe not all 46. I'm not sure if they've all 46 years they've had posters, but I know it's close to it. Um, yeah, that would be a really cool, iconic thing to, to see and to have. But stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. 
watch good things, we are on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. Don't forget, too, our Super Talk Mississippi news team is covering your Mississippi stories. So stay up to date. Sign up for our free weekly newsletter at supertalk.fm slash newsletter. And if you want to stay up to other good headlines across the state, you can do that over at the Good Things Facebook group. I try my best, as well as Rhino and others, to post there the good highlights we see going on or the good stories, uh, at least on social media, that we can share into uh, the Good Things Facebook group. We also like to ask fun questions and get the party started a little bit earlier. But I want to go back and catch up on a few good headlines that you may have missed there. I saw where one of our highway patrolmen, Master Sergeant Charles Lamb, he man, he went above and beyond. There were two out-of-state uh, or an out-of-state couple was an ac- was involved in the accident, which is not a good thing, on Highway 61 in Washington County. And the two were informed that it would be the following Monday before they could rent a vehicle to continue their travels. And so what did Master Sergeant Charles Lamb do? He allowed the couple to use his personal truck as a rental until a rental was available. So talk about Mississippi help and hospitality and going above and beyond the call. You can see the whole um, story over on the Good Things Facebook group. And then also you can read about or see about the Redwood Elementary students and staff. They presented a check for $2,500 to United Way of West Central Mississippi to help support the victims there in Rolling Fork and in the Delta after the tornadoes. And they just knew they needed to do something. I love this and how the administrators got the parents involved. And so the Redwood Elementary immediately took action. They organized a two-week free dress funding project, meaning they didn't have to wear their school uniforms if their parents paid into uh, <laughs> paid into the into the drive, which I think is fun. I mean, the kids get to do something out of the ordinary and uh, have a little fun with it, and the parents were able to give to uh, to a great cause. And so, parents of Redwood students participated by donating $10 to support the cause. So if you do the math, that's 250 families stepped up uh, for disaster relief. And man, when you talk about disaster relief, you see it everywhere, all over social media, even weeks after, or I guess a week or so after the storms, you still are getting heartwarming stories of Mississippians staying the course and staying in the Delta. Here over the past weekend, you had Nearly Southern. It's a food truck from Morton, Mississippi. They went up, provided meals uh, to Rolling Fort residents yesterday and even Easter goodie baskets for the children. Cause as you know, you and I were getting, um, you know, ready for the Easter running to come for our kids. You got to think of how many families were displaced and, and even though you, you, you recognize what's more important, what takes precedent. You got to put yourself still in like a child's mind. And to them, it's still Easter. And so it's, you know, and still providing that little bit of joy and just, I guess, normalcy, even though there's nothing normal about a bunny coming to your house and giving you presents, but still a little bit of normalcy uh, to the holiday weekend. And so I just love seeing those story after story after story after story of of the good stuff that's still going on to help those um, those enrolling fork for sure. There's many more headlines like that over if you would like to go and check those out. Again, that's the Good Things Facebook group. Um, you just type in Good Things with Rebecca Turner pops up and then boom, there you have it. But one of the fun conversations, we actually did this last week. So if you're wondering why we hadn't talked about it until now, I'm sorry, we're catching up here on Good Things. Um, but it simply asks the question, what kick are you currently on? Something yummy or fun that you're really into? 
to now. So if you recognize your own sort of personal patterns or behaviors, you find like you get on something and then you kind of wear it out, right? Like you get on a whatever kick. Maybe it's an exercise kick and then you fall off of it or it's a certain binge watching show kind of kick and then you roll off of it or whatever it may be. But I feel like everyone at any point in time, you're on a kick of some kind, food, just hobby, kind of interest related. And yeah, it's something that you just brings you joy and you can't get enough of it. And it can be definitely be a good thing. Rhino, you shared uh, one of yours and you said it may sound weird, but I don't think so. Well, it comes from a bit of a weird situation. I, uh, I went to the grocery store shortly after New Year's. It tells you how long ago this started. And they had on the clearance rack four party-sized bags of peanut butter M&Ms. Like the biggest yeah. bag they sell. They had four of them for a buck fifty a piece. Oh, that's a good deal. That's cheaper than a regular-sized bag of peanut butter M&Ms. So I've had a glut of peanut butter M&Ms. <laughs> and to avoid getting burnt out on my favorite M&M... I've tinkered with them. I've smacked them up and crushed them up and put them over ice cream. Oh, yum. I've blended them, and, and it that didn't work very well. But then I started thinking. I was like, all right, when I really enjoy an M&M the most mm-hmm. is when the pack of M&Ms has been in my pocket and I've been outside or it's been sitting in the passenger seat of the car on a sunny afternoon, and it's not melted entirely. It's just softened up to the point where... The outside's still the candy, crisp, crispy, crunchy mm-hmm. outside shell, but the inside's ooey-gooey. Yeah. So I started tinkering with it. So I just take a plate, paper plate, whatever, napkin, put a handful of peanut butter M&Ms on there, pop it in the microwave for 15, 30 seconds, warm them up, make them a little ooey-gooey, don't melt them. It's decadent. It sounds delicious. And now that we all have our leftover... Easter candy. I'm sure we've got some peanut butter M&M's we could at least give it a try for. I think it's that thing. It's like you try it once and you're like, oh, I really like this. And then you find you're doing it over and over and over or it just sort of becomes again like a little bit of a kick that maybe you're your own right now. I imagine if you enjoy just regular M&M's or the peanut M&M's or any of the wild and wacky flavors they've got now. Like do they still have the crispy M&M's and pretzel M&M's and all that? I imagine it would work with those as well. What have they not tried in the M&M world? Well, they've tried mint. I'm fairly certain they've tried birthday cake, although I don't think that was a long we time We can deal. all agree that the peanuts and then the, is it the peanut butter M&Ms? Or probably, it's not peanut butter. What's the other, is it Reese's? What's the other consistency? Is it peanut butter M&Ms? Yeah. Yes. Because you got regular M&Ms that are about the size of a Reese's Pieces. And then, then you, you got the peanut M&Ms, which are the big honkers. The almond M&Ms are a little bigger than the peanut M&Ms. And peanut butter is like a chunky regular <laughs> regular one. Regular one. I think the peanut butter ones are my favorite. Those would be like over just your traditional sort of M&M. I don't know if I've ever tried the pretzel ones. And now I'm thinking, what else could they stuff into an M&M and call it, make it an M&M, but with something inside of it? I tried the caramel ones. They're interesting. It's not quite the... Same consistency. Consistency or texture you're thinking of when you have an M&M. Darren and Jackson, thanks a lot, Rhino. Now I'm stopping by Kroger after work just because of you. 
to go and get your peanut, uh, your peanut M&Ms for sure. Or maybe you're going to cash in on the Cadbury eggs. Michelle says she's on a Cadbury egg kick. Yeah, it is the season. And they are hard. Like once they show up and then you enjoy, and they, they kind of drizzle out quicker than, they show up a whole lot sooner, and then they drizzle out kind of quick, I think is what I'm trying to say. And so you may have been slowly enjoying your Cadbury eggs a few weeks like leading up to Easter, but it is kind of like a king cake. They do a decent job of letting those sort of die after the holiday. That is something you you can get something similar to it any time of year, but we, we often leave that out as something that actually only shows up during its specified season is the Cadbury is the Cadbury year. What is it what would be the Cadbury egg, not egg, the rest of the year, right? Like what would be the equivalent to it? Because you know you have like all your Reese's cups, it's the trees and the egg and the right. whatever, which is really just a Reese's cup morphed into a different symbol or object. Is there anything like a Cadbury egg? During the rest of the year, that's not a Cadbury egg, but it is a Cadbury egg? Not off the top of my head, but I'm thinking about, okay, Cadbury egg, you got the the hard chocolate shell and then the the creamy interior. That's almost like you get in boxes of chocolates where you don't really know what you're going to get. You just kind of grab one and go and hope it's not something crazy. Yes. And cause it's I almost- think there may be... Something similar to Cadbury in those. It's almost it's too like a the chocolate covered cherries, but without the cherry kind of sort of feeling. Which my husband and I were, or maybe it was you who said you were today years old, Rhino, that you could buy those not during the Christmas season. Yeah, that was, was me. You? Yeah, that we recognize like if you. The I cho- got behind a lady at the grocery yeah. store and she had two boxes of them. I'm going. It's not Christmas. It's not Christmas. Those are very. Holiday specific for a lot of families, the chocolate covered cherries. And then some of you are like, what? You didn't know you could have those all throughout the year? Feels like they just come out more in the holiday season for sure. Larry McGee says, I love to put peanut butter, peanut, excuse me, I keep getting them wrong, peanut M&Ms in the freezer. Do they not freeze, Larry and Hurch Deep? I don't know. I'm sure you know. All right, sounds like a good snack, though. All right, what kind of kick are you on? Let us know. 601-879-4395. That and more coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Right like I should 
You can watch good things through your own computer, your mobile device. You can watch it on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices, and even YouTube. You can now watch good things too live on Ceasefire TV if you've got that. We're on Channel 70, right next to the Weather Channel. You can also catch good things in podcast form or wherever you listen to a podcast. If you were listening earlier to good things, we were talking about the different types of flavors of the M&Ms that at least Rhino has tried. Right now he's on a peanut M&M kick. Peanut butter. Peanut, peanut butter M&M kick. I'm getting, I'm getting them so confused. The peanut butter M&M kick, since you found them sort of on sale, which went uh, got us going down a rabbit hole during the break here of different of iconic candies that we genuinely lend towards the staple flavors or I guess varieties of, but didn't know that there was a wealth of other varieties out there. Now, we just passed Easter, so one that came up was Peeps. And this actually hits home because my mother-in-law got my daughters this tropical-flavored sort of mango-y something Peep. I guess she wanted it. I don't know. And I was like, why? Or what's the point, you know, sort of behind it? And did you know there's 17 different flavors of Peeps out there? I would contend that's a typo, and they mean colors. Correct. Pretty much all peeps taste like peeps. I agree with that. And or then, maybe I've just haven't had the flavored peeps. I don't know. I think, I think peeps are the candy cane of Easter. You feel like they need to be present to sort of accentuate the basket, make it feel Eastery, to take up space. Right? It's kind of a filler candy. Oh yeah. But yet. No one or large majority of peep getters aren't peep eaters. And so somehow they find their way pushed back or down or around until it's like, oh, we've had this for several months. And then, you know, it goes into the trash can or you're like me and you save it for the Christmas parade and you watch the the, the eyes on the person when you throw them a thing of peeps out of the while wearing a Santa hat and their eyes light up because it makes no sense. But you don't want to be wasteful. So that's another good thing that peeps are for. But some of you enjoy them. Okay, 17 different flavors. So Hershey Kisses. How many different flavors would you think there are of the very iconic chocolate Hershey Kiss? You can run through your brain real quick. Right. I mean, you got the the regular Hershey's Kiss, Hershey's Kiss with almonds, the You got the mid ones. You got the cocoa ones that come out during Christmas. I can think of, I could probably name five off the top of my head. Say a dozen, just to be safe. There's 15 flavors available so and then okay think of something too as iconic as the jolly rancher right you think oh you get the six that come in the little natural bag there's only 14 creative flavors of the jolly rancher i'm like oh okay so we're sticking here around the teens i feel like there should be more jolly rancher i did too i feel like oh, i'll kind of fall it down on that like you could really get for every skittle flavor there could be a jolly rancher to match see i was thinking jelly beans and jelly belly like there's Ooh, Infinite number that. of Jelly Belly flavors. What's Jolly Rancher missing out on here? Right. I didn't even do that. But the one that shocked me um, was the one that you were, started this whole conversation, which was M&M's. So what what did you find in terms of M&M's? I haven't found an exact number, but from a couple different sources, it looks like there are between 55 and 61 different varieties of M&M's available on Earth. Now, they aren't all available in America. Like, for example, one that caught my eye, orange M&M's. Orange-flavored M&M's, like the chocolate oranges. They're exclusively available in Japan. I there's can a, see there's that. There's another one. I can see that being good, too, though. Oh, yeah. 
There's but one called Lamington m Why isn't that a thing during Halloween? Why are we miss why are, why are we left out of that? Because the powers that be the have decided that the instead of making orange M and M's, they're going to make those abomination orange coated Kit Kats. <sighs> those things are horrific. I don't know who decided those were good, but I threw almost all of those out. There are over a hundred different flavors of jelly beans or jelly bellies. Oh yeah. So I feel a little like okay, but still, you feel like for every flavored jelly belly or jelly bean. Or Skittle, that there could be an equivalent Jolly Rancher. You feel like those that are in the Jolly Rancher world, you have fallen behind in your potential. Now that I say that, I would back up and say there are a couple, quote-unquote, savory flavors of jelly bean that might not be that great Jolly Rancher. Like, you can get buttered popcorn-flavored jelly beans. Don't know that I would want a buttered popcorn-flavored Jolly Rancher. Agreed. And there's some jelly bellies that are made for the shock and awe value of it and not so much for... The enjoyment, if you oh, get yeah. like the 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 Thanksgiving flavored ones that went out, or, you or the got, Harry Potter themed ones, where you have two that look exactly alike. One's green apple, one's earwax. So here's another one. I don't know if I believe the internet. Let me just go ahead and say that, but it did come up, and I didn't even think about it. Um, but how many different flavor offerings of Oreo do you think there are? It's a hundred and ten year old sandwich cookie. Right. Well, you got. I wonder if they're including double stuff. So you got regular, double stuff, mega stuff. We'll just presume they are. You got the mint ones. You got the chocolate cream ones. You got the birthday cake ones. Let's go big, say 20. 85. 85, 85 five different, different varieties Oreos. of Oreo. I feel like my husband would cry with joy he has no idea he's missing out on all of these options to dip into his uh his milk at night with his with milk's favorite cookie as they that many variations of flavors i imagine some would not be good with milk no probably not and i don't think they're all available at the same time or they're all still available but there has been over 85 different varieties of oreos i'm like where's the oreo museum why aren't we like having the opportunity to go and sort of pick this out and sort of figure it out. I feel like you're you're gypped. You're very limited by what they give you in the aisles there at, at your local grocery or in the middle aisle or whatever it may be. And nothing really ever beats the classic, but it is something to do, I guess, a little bit sort of different. On the text line, Kevin in uh, Monticello, you asked, how many flavors of Baskin Robbins are there? Man, go big or go home. Guess, ballpark. Well, I mean, Baskin Robbins is known for their 31 flavors, but I think they're on rotation. I've... It has a flavor library. Oh, goodness. If it's called a library, it's going to be at least three digits. So 400 flavors. 1,400. So add 1,000 to what I was thinking. It has grown to more than That's 1,400 insane. in its flavor library. I don't think I could spend a day listing 1,400 different flavors I've tasted. Do it. Out of... Every, like, dessert, savory, like, candy, 1,400 flavors. That's insane. So math is hard, but it would take roughly four years for you to have a different flavor every day, right? Yeah. Ish. Around there. Around there to have every flavor. Again, I don't think all are. They're in their library, so I don't think all are out when you go to your local Baskin-Robbins. Probably all aren't home run. But when you get into that kind of flavor offerings, it's coming down to, you know, Adding chocolate or one without, I mean, they're getting very nitpicky to call it sort of its own flavor. I want to meet the person at Baskin Robbins whose job is to name them. 
Like, who sits down with number 1401? And it's a, I don't know, great combination of vanilla and Lord knows what. And it's like, now she needs or he needs a name. Like, what what are we going to name the 1401 ice cream offering? That we give I wonder <laughs> if they've got like a rubric or criteria or if it's just free form. Like, do they just get to look at it and go, that looks kind of grapey. Doesn't have any grape in it, but it's purple. We'll call it grapealicious. But it doesn't have grape. But it's purple. It'll work. It's, it's purple. It'll work. Right. Like banana flavoring. There's, does not taste like bananas whatsoever. But we totally associate well, we've talked about it. that, though. Yes. Banana flavoring tastes like bananas used to. They taste like what our grandparents had when they had bananas. But that banana cultivar got wiped out by pests and plague. Well, then the banana flavoring should have kept up. We should change it. Would it. Be, it could be argued that the bananas that tasted like the banana flavoring were better than the ones we have now. Well, can we go back? Uh, they're trying. But the uh, the I can't remember the name of the disease that attacks it. It's the Gross Michelle, I believe, is the name of the cultivar of what bananas used to be. And because bananas aren't grown from seed, they're, they're cloned. So they go take a chopping of that plant, root it. You get the same plant cloned, but because of that, it's susceptible to things. Well, all I know, when I bite into a banana runt, it doesn't taste like <laughs> a, a regular a regular banana. It tastes banana-esque. Banana-esque. Do you know why Baskin-Robbins had their 31 flavors? Started out with, their, you know, they have their 31 flavors. To represent a different ice cream I, flavor for each day of say, the month. Yeah. So now they can span it across... Four years. Three and a half. I'm doing the math in my head quickly. Ish. 1,400 different flavors. That's a lot of lactose. Sounds delicious, though. All right, stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. And stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Things. Don't forget, we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. You can always find us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. If you're just tuning in, we got going down the rabbit hole of the different flavors of all of our iconic uh, foods that we enjoy. One being the Oreo, the 110-year-old sandwich cookie. 
It's got 85 different flavors. And I got a friend driving home from New Orleans who was appalled that she didn't know there were 85 different flavors of Oreo because it is her favorite cookie as well. And she asked about an Oreo museum. There is not an Oreo museum that I can find of that would have all the 85 different flavors. I do did find, though, that the first purchase of an order of Nabisco's Oreo cookies came from Hoboken in 1912. It was on March 6th to be exact. But more importantly, if you are worried about having your Oreos after the apocalypse, don't worry. If you make it past the zombies, you will still have your Oreos because Oreo built a global Oreo vault in 2020 right down the road from the sea vault, seed vault that the global seed vault people put in hopes in case the planet uh, life on Earth comes to an end. You know, the next species can go and plant everything and then all the recipes, all the flavors, all the secretness is hidden in the global Oreo vault. It's just going to be really confusing if they find the vaults out of order in the post-apocalyptic world where they just find the <laughs> vault full of Oreos and like, hey, look, snacks. And they eat all those. And then they get to the seed vault and they're like, well, these snacks aren't as sweet and they're little. Well, we'll eat them anyways. Oreo has provided the coordinates of their vault. I don't know how to read coordinates, so that's not <laughs> that's not going to do me any good. But there's a there's a northeast something or another, and it places it near, I guess near the other sort of uh, vault. There is probably a up around the Arctic circle. Lock on the door, ensuring that the contents are saved for an apocalyptic event. So even if you do know how to read coordinates. Then you show up, you can knock on the door, but it is still, you'd still need the key to get into the Oreo vault. Could you imagine? I feel like there needs to be a whole Sharknado movie style kind of movie made after the Oreo vault and all things like after Apocalypse, finding the vault, trying to open the vault, the whole Oreo thing. But what are you going to do without milk? What good is an Oreo if there's no dairy cows? On the planet. I'm just over here laughing because I'm imagining in an alternate reality where the first season of The Walking Dead, it's six episodes, and the whole goal of the first six episodes is to get to the CDC in Atlanta to hopefully find an answer <laughs> for the zombies. Except in the alternate universe, it's six episodes devoted to getting to the Oreo vault. Lady Gaga has her own flavor of Oreo. That's not fair. Well, that's disheartening. That is disheartening. That's one of the 85. So there's 84 I'm interested in. who knew i don't know what else would you put in a vault what else do you think would need to be there after an apocalypse twinkies well they would survive anyway you just leave those out martians come take over the world twinkies will be there billion years later it'll be all right they don't need a vault can oreos go bad They've never lasted long enough in our house to know. I think they could go stale, and I'm sure anything that can go stale could eventually go bad. What goes stale? You put it in milk, and it tastes. It has to taste it. It has to rehydrate it back. Is there? I mean, I know there's a difference in fresh. I would assume fresh Oreos. Right. I mean, if you have a bag of Oreos that have been open for say a, a week or so, the cookies are going to be a little softer than they were, which going through it logically if they're softer that means they've absorbed moisture and if they absorb moisture then they could go bad the oreo vault is privately owned ah if you keep going down the google rabbit hole you can find all kinds of fun information about oreos you never needed to know 
to dip it into a glass of milk and enjoy it. You know, the saddest piece of information about Oreos that will ever be given to you? What's that? The serving size. What is it, two? It's two. Who in their right mind sits down and is like, let me get out my two Oreos for my conservative serving so I can be appropriately portioned for my dessert, my post-meal dessert. Nobody. See, I was a fan of the Mega Stuff Oreo before Mega Stuff even came out because I would take regular Double Stuff Oreos, and that, I guess I was eating the serving sides at once because I would take two, take them apart, eat the two chocolate cookies that didn't have any cream on them, and then stuff the two with cream together to make a Double Double Stuff. They have it figured out. They knew it. You know what else is in the vault? As I'm reading about Oreo Vault, that's obviously legit. They put powdered milk in there. Ah. So assuming that we still have water... On the planet, post-apocalypse, you will have Oreos, you will have milk. Now they're cooking with gas. Now they're cooking with gas. you got two different food groups right there in a vault somewhere north and east coordinates. Just don't eat the seeds first. Eat the Oreos, then plant the seeds. (laughs) All right, you guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. you got the boys with Sports Talk Mississippi from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Mississippi Media Production.